Welcome to A New Perspective. Today on the podcast, we have Steph Chen. And in this episode, we talk about parental control, the risk of the unknown, and finding meaning in the vastness of space and time. Um, so we've got some pretty interesting topics, um, but I want to just issue out a warning or um, an explanation of what you're about to hear, uh, because I feel like with this podcast, I take one step forward and then, or two steps forward and then one step back, um, because the audio got very messed up on this recording, and um, it it's on like uh, double speed, and there's a lot of pops and cracks that are going on in it. I'm not really sure what exactly caused it, unfortunately, um, but and I didn't want to delete everything, so if you can uh, grit your teeth and uh, make it through the small distractions. I think there's a lot of interesting things discussed in this podcast. So, um, put on your, your stoic hat and, um, up your fortitude and, uh, let's get it. What was your childhood like? What was it like growing up in, in, the house with your parents? Um, yeah, so I grew up um, in Andover, Mass, which is kind of just like your typical like Massachusetts suburban town. Um, not a whole lot really happens um, in terms of like wealth. Like um, I would say it's like relatively like, you know, like middle class, upper middle class, um, well-regarded like education system, that kind of stuff. Um, and then I also grew up with like my grandparents as well. So they lived with me growing up on my mom's side and then my dad's grandma moved in, um, later on after my grandpa passed away. So, um, they only spoke Chinese. So, um, with that, like, you know, I was able to learn Chinese growing up, um, which I feel like I didn't really appreciate as much, um, growing up. So if my parents would talk to me in Chinese, I would talk back in English. Um, so like right now, like I can understand Chinese, I can kind of speak it, but it's like not that great. So I can like kind of get off. So that's like one of those like things I kind of regret. Like I wish that my Chinese was a little bit better. Um, and then I guess um, my parents made me do a lot of like, you know, your standard, like typical, like Asian things. So I did piano, and violin. I hated both of them. Um, never really practiced. And it was never really that great. Um, they let me quit piano, I think, in, in the fifth grade. And then um, I continued playing violin to like the eighth grade. And then I was like in the high school orchestra. I think right now, like I also I forgot completely how to play piano and how to play violin. So one of those things where it's like, oh, no, I wish I just kept up with it. And I wish I kind of practiced a little bit more um, because I don't really remember it as much. Um, and yeah, I remember like we would just get into like a lot of arguments over like practicing piano and violin because I really hated it. Um, and like, I can never focus and I never really wanted to do it. So, um, I'm like very like ADD. So like, if I don't want to do something, like I just can't focus on it and like, I just can't do it. So for me, like, I think that's why I just couldn't get into it. Do you remember what their reasoning was for pushing you to do those, those activities, playing violin and piano? I think a lot of it is just because like their friends, kids also do it. So it's kind of like what they know, like if everyone's kids are playing piano, like you should play piano too. Um, I feel like too, with like the Asian culture, a lot of it is kind of like competitive. You know, you want like your kid to do, you know, to be better or to do, you know, something similar to other people's kids. So it's kind of like one-upping them. But like for me, like I never really cared if I was like the best one at violin or like piano, but they, my parents would always say, oh, look at blah, blah, blah. Like they're playing so well, like they're in this orchestra and I just didn't really care that much. So. In your experience, do you think that was, um, was that present in uh, people who are third or fourth generation families of like living in America? And that was something that was specific to 
your parents well i'm guessing your your mom is a first generation and then you're a second because your grandma or grandparents they speak chinese only is that correct i think so i forget how it works but my parents were born in taiwan and then okay. they came over um for their masters um so i'm like the first one born here i think that's first generation yeah, or is that second generation i, I, I should probably know that <laughs> okay yeah so i know it's pretty common with um at least like my generation um because like all of their friends their kids were doing the same things um i don't know if i'm gonna make my kids do those things i probably won't force them to unless they really want to um and if they're interested in other things i'll definitely let them do it so you know if they do want to play piano they can um if they want to do some other instrument like you know guitar or like drums if they're interested they can do it were those instruments off off limits to you like were you interested in uh in drums and they said i wasn't really but i think drums are pretty cool like now that i think about it like it, <laughs> you know if i had a drum set i definitely would, would try to pick it up um i never really asked but we did have a family friend that actually played the drums but my mom would always be like oh drums like it's so loud you know that kind of stuff but it was never really brought up as an option. My parents would just sign me up for things and, you know, just be like, you're going to piano practice or we're bringing you to ballet. And I'd be like, okay. And I would just go. Huh. Do you, do you remember any times where, or do you remember a certain time where you felt like you had autonomy to make all the specific choices that you wanted? Because I think college is definitely a big one for people. Like you're on your own, you get to sign up for your own classes and whatnot. But what, did you experience that anytime earlier in like high school, maybe? Um, a little bit, but like not so much. Like every like activity I did, my parents kind of were just like, you're going to do this you're gonna do that so like I danced and like it was like Chinese dance um and for that like my mom just like signed me up for it um a lot of the activities that I did my parents were kind of just like you're gonna do this and I would say okay and like with my classes and stuff my mom would be like um you know you're gonna take this class or you should take this class or don't take this class um that kind of stuff so my mom is like I would say a little controlling but I feel like a lot of the time she like is right and she, in some ways I feel like she knows me better than I actually do um she was the one that actually was like, oh, you should major in business and you should concentrate in information systems and finance. And so it's like kind of like what I do today and like I do enjoy it. So she was kind of right. I don't think I ever would have known to concentrate in those things if she didn't really like tell me to or suggest that I concentrate mm -hmm. in those things. Hmm. You, you said something about you think your mom knows you better than you do. How do you how do you feel about that? About that idea? I don't know, because like there are things that like my parents would always like yell at me about and they would be like, don't do this. Like, for example, you know, if I read my phone, if I'm on my phone in the dark, they tell me that I'm going to go blind. So I'm hoping that doesn't come true. Um, but a lot of random things that like they would yell at me about when I was younger, like, you know, kind of, I guess did come true. Um, so stuff like that. I don't know how I feel about it. I think some ways, in some ways she's right. In some ways she's not really right. I guess it just depends on how you spin it. Mm -hmm. Is it mostly your mom or is your dad have that same uh, level of, I guess, um, influence on the choices and decisions you make? Probably mostly my mom. My mom is like the loud one in the family. She has like most of the opinions and stuff. Like my mom and my dad are like very different. My mom, um, my mom is the one who like talks the most and like complains a lot, that kind of stuff. My dad kind of just, you know, is there. Like they have like very different like personalities. So my mom is usually the one that like pushes for things and my dad will go along with it. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like the, um, the influence she's had over you has decreased or increased over time? I think it's decreased over time, like as I've grown up a bit. Um, and like, she doesn't really like try to control me as much as like when I was younger. So I think it's decreased. And I think like she's seen like, you know, that I've grown up and that, you know, I've become my own person. And I think she trusts my judgment now more than she did before. Has, has there been any conflict um, with your mom relinquishing some control 
or has it has it been um, a kind of peaceful transition where she's realizing uh, your independence and your capabilities and um, has allowed it to happen? I think it's been like relatively peaceful. Um, so with like my last relationship, my mom really hated Mason. Um, and she made that like very clear and like very known. So anytime he was around, she would like give them give him the silent treatment. Um, when his parents came by to meet my parents at graduation, she literally just stood there and didn't say anything. It was the most awkward situation. Um, my dad was like trying to be friendly when my mom was just kind of like staring them down. Um, and like, I kind of had a feeling that was gonna happen. So I remember like telling Mason like, do not bring your parents around and he brought them around. So, I mean, I guess it had to happen at some point, but yeah, it didn't really go that well. Um, and then every time you kind of just like talk about him, you'd like get into arguments, that kind of stuff. So um, with my like new relationship, um, she hasn't really like officially met Matt. She's like met him in passing, like especially during the pandemic. Um, she like met him very briefly outside, um, but she like knows about him um, and she hasn't really, you know, complained or anything. Um, so, you know, I, she hasn't really fully met him yet, but I think that she will like him. I think she's a little more like open to it, um, to him. Um, it's kind of funny because I actually did see a psychic like last year. And I remember like just asking if like my mom would ever be happy about like me being in a relationship. And the psychic actually told me that like, you know, I would have to tell my mom to not interfere um, or else like my mom would definitely get in the middle of it again. So I did tell her like, you know, you can't interfere with my relationship um, like a year or two ago. And she was like, oh, I won't, I promise, blah, blah, blah. Like you're older now, like you understand better now. So, so far she hasn't, but we'll see. Hmm. I think that's also why I'm a little apprehensive to like introduce anyone to my parents because my mom is very, very like opinionated about like, you know, significant others and stuff. So that's why I'm kind of just like holding off because I don't want her to ruin anything. Yeah, that, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, going back to uh, like dating Mason and her not liking that, was that like the biggest rebellious thing that you've done um, against your, your mother's wishes? Probably. Um, because like I remember like at one point after college, like I think I pretended that like we had broken up for a while. Um, so she was just kind of under the, the impression that we weren't together anymore. She probably maybe knew that we were still together. I'm not really sure, but um, like that went on for like a while. So I think we dated for like five or six years. I can't remember how long. So pretty long, I would say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How how did you how did you process that? How did you how did you rationalize this idea that your your mom did not like the decision that that you were making, but you continued to make that decision? Did you feel like your judgment at that point was uh, more important than, than hers in terms of what um, you were doing with your own life? I mean, I'm, my mom says this all the time, but like I'm the type of person where like if she tells me to do something and if I don't want to do it, like I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. So like if I go to someone for advice, you know, and they give me, you know, some advice that I don't want to hear, I probably won't take it. I'll just do whatever I want to do. So I typically just do what I want and I'll deal with it later. That's kind of how I deal mm -hmm. with things. How, how do you decide what advice to take versus which advice to not listen to? I think like in a lot of cases, I already know the answer in my heart, but like, I just want to like talk it out with people to see what they think. Can we explore that for a little bit? What does that, what does that mean to know something in your heart? Um, I don't know. It's kind of just like a feeling like, like I want to do this or I want to do that. Like if you're deciding between two things and you kind of like want to do one thing, maybe you want to play one thing safe. There's like one safe option and then the other option isn't safe, you know, in your heart, like, you know, I, I tend to play it safe, so maybe I would go with the safe route when someone tells me to do, you know, the more risky route. So it sounds like going with your heart just, just means you've made a decision about something already, and no matter what anybody else says, you're still going to make that decision. 
where if somebody agrees with you, then you're like, yes, okay. I, I agree with you 100%. That, that makes sense. Thank you for saying yeah. that. It agrees with my heart. But if somebody doesn't say it and, and it doesn't align with what you have already decided, then you ignore it and you're against that. Is yeah, there basically. Is there, there, has there ever been a time where somebody has given you advice that goes against what your heart said and you took it anyway? And why did you take that advice? What, what, what was the reasoning there? Um, actually, so like recently during the pandemic, um, you know, I really hated my job. Um, I was managing the team. I had like five direct reports. I was in meetings all day. Um, I was basically like really struggling because I wasn't enjoying it. I kind of hate the whole like aspect of like managing people, writing reviews and all those things. And I remember when I had like switched into the role, it was like, okay, you can either be, you know, a manager on the team or you can be an individual contributor. Like you can go down like the more technical path. And I remember like I did the manager route because like I knew that's like kind of like what my parents would have wanted me to do. Um, like they were really happy, like, oh, Steph's manager. Um, and I remember like during like the like heart of the pandemic last year, I was like seriously struggling. And I remember um, like talking to my friend Caitlin about it. And she was like, just tell your manager you don't want to be a manager anymore. And I remember like thinking like, what are people going to think about me? Like, you know, people are going to like wonder why I changed roles so quickly. Um, but I seriously hated it. And I was kind of like, well, what can I lose from it? I'm just going to switch to the technical track and become an individual contributor. And like, it worked out, like my job got like 10 times better. I have like so much less anxiety because of it. So it's kind of like one of those things where like in my heart, like, you know, I think it'd be nice to be a manager, but it's really just not for me. So you ran like a, a pros and cons comparison about what the two tracks were in, in your heart. You, you said being a manager was, was better. But after you weighed the, the pros and cons, going the technical route was actually the optimum for, for you individually. But was your heart in that situation what your parents wanted? I mean, I think for me, like, I I always wanted to have that, like, manager title. I always wanted to kind of, like, you know, be, like, a team lead or, you know, overseeing a group. Um, but, like, when I was doing it, I kind of hated it. Like, I feel like, like the title sounds nice and everything. Um, but... Yeah, it just wasn't for me. So I think like I want to be a good manager. I would love to, but personally, it's a little more difficult for me than doing like the actual technical role. Yeah, in that situation, um, it would it would be nice if everybody if, or if like you could write down what mattered the most to you, and uh, like each job just very easily said, here's what level of this you're gonna get. So like with manager, it's gonna be the role, but where's your stress level gonna be at? It's going to be through the roof. And is the role worth the stress? Is it is it worth those two things? Um, so I, I guess uh, the question is, in this situation, what was your highest priority or what's your highest priority now? What what matters to you the most? Is it the title or is, like, is it your well-being or is it your enjoyment in that position? What, would you, what do you think it is? I would say probably my well-being um, because I was super stressed. I was being paid well. Um, but like for me, it wasn't really worth it. And I was almost considering just finding a new job, considering maybe taking a pay cut um, at that point because I just hated it that much. So I kind of realized that, you know, like in life, like I don't want to spend my life working. I want to kind of enjoy it. I want to like work so I can kind of enjoy my life so I can fund my life. Mm -hmm. So ideally like one day I won't be like, you know, working for like a corporate company. Maybe I can find some type of other alternative solution or way to make money. Or I can find a job that like I truly love where it's not really like work. Like that's what everyone says. Like you have to do a job that's not really like work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. We have we have two directions we can go in here. Um, one is what 
if you're just using work as a place to uh, to make money and to fund yourself to do other activities that, that do increase your well-being, what are those other activities? So that's one direction we can go into. Or the other one is if you could find or, or if you could describe what the perfect job for you is where you do make money doing something that doesn't feel like work, what would that be? So you could take it, either of these questions. Wait, go through the two options again. The, the first option is um, what do you do outside of work that, that does bring you that, that joy? And um, increases your well-being if your if your job is now just to provide you money to do those things and the other one is if you could have the ideal job that did pay you well and um, brought you satisfaction and joy and well-being uh, like if you could describe it what would it be okay um i would say like my ideal job um i've always wanted to like own a company like or like work for myself i guess um like i definitely have a lot of different interests um at one point I was super interested in maybe like starting a skincare company. Um, but right now I've kind of realized that like that market is like very competitive. Um, definitely can be hard to break into. Um, and just like very competitive. Um, I'm also interested in like real estate. I think it'd be really cool to um, kind of like flip a house one day like, and rent it out or, or sell it um, for profit. Um, but ideally, like I want to do something that, you know, I don't mind working, but like I want to make sure that it's, like a fun job. I don't think I would ever want to be an influencer because that probably would bring me a lot of anxiety. Um, I have a friend who actually is like a TikTok influencer and she gets like a lot of like hate comments and stuff. And I feel like that would just like bring me down and really like affect my mental health. Like it sounds really cool. You get a lot of like free stuff. Um, you know, people pay you to like post on TikTok or on Instagram, but I think it probably affects your mental health a lot. So mm -hmm. I would say like, it'd be cool for me to maybe like flip some homes maybe be like a realtor. I feel like that could be kind of cool one day um, to like learn about the housing market, that kind of stuff. I've always been like interested in that. So like growing up, like my family and I, we would always go into like homes that were being built, like empty homes. And we'd like go in the house, it's probably like trespassing now that I think about it, but <laughs> we would go through and like look at the house and be like, oh, this is where the living room is. This is where the master is. So I've always been interested in that kind of stuff. And I still like love just going to open houses, even if I'm like obviously not looking for a home. What did you find fun about going into uh, abandoned houses and, um, and, and, picturing where different things were, were you like running through the different choices and different possibilities that exist and, and that kind of like excited you as to um, what different directions it could go in? Yeah, I don't know. Like it might've been like more like my parents' interests, but um, you know, we just liked going to see like new neighborhoods, that kind of stuff. Um, and maybe just like pretend like, oh, we're gonna live here one day or like, look at how cool this house is. Like this house is huge. Let's go explore it. So maybe just like picturing your, yourself, like, like maybe I would like picture myself, like living in that house. I think, um, this might be a good time to, um, uh, pivot into, to manifesting. Um, just the act of going into, um, going into an abandoned house or a new neighborhood, uh, looking around and then picture yourself living in that house or that neighborhood. What, what about that is appealing to you and did you see yourself changing like who you were in the different neighborhoods that you were imagining yourself in? Um, sorry, repeat that. What, what was appealing? Yeah, let's just start with, um, what was appealing about, about, uh, imagining yourself in a, a new home, a different place? I think it gives you hope, um, that like you could have an even better life, I guess, or that like life can be, different um i think it kind of helps you dream a little bit in a way 
and maybe makes you like work harder for those things. Like, oh, one day I'm going to live in a house like this, or one day, like I will have this house. And in, in, in this, in this scenario, a better house is a better life. Is that the equation that we're, or the I think so. Um, yeah. Like I, I kind of, I feel like I think a little like materialistically, right. So, um, like if let's say like a friend had a really nice house, um, I'd be like, oh, they have a better life than me or they can afford all these things. Like their life must be better, I guess. So I think I, I also grew up in a way, like in, in my town, like too, I would say like, it's a pretty materialistic town where like there's like a, a good amount of like wealthy people um, who have like really nice houses, that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I think I always equated that to like a better life in a way. Do you, do you still make that equation? Um, Not as much, I think. I think I've kind of like outgrown that a little bit. I, I still think that like, you know, people say that like money doesn't bring happiness, but like if I could choose between the two, you know, being like sad and being, you know, being, I guess having money and being sad versus having or not having money and being sad, I'd rather pick the money one. So I don't know if any of that makes sense, but I'd rather be rich and sad than poor and sad. <laughs> poor Does that make happy, any sense? You, you can cut all this out. <laughs> poor and happy, yeah. You'd rather be rich and sad than poor and happy no no i'd rather be well if i had to pick between the two if i was sad in both scenarios you know i'd rather have the money why is that i think like in a way to like like if i think about like money it brings you like security so you know maybe if i'm sad i can use the money to go do something that makes me happy that will bring me joy you know i can go shopping i can go on a trip that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you have money and you're sad, then you could use that money to, to kind of gloss over the sadness and provide some happiness. Yeah. Kind of like a retail therapy, I guess. doesn't really solve all your problems, but maybe you can temporarily make it better. Mm-hmm. What about in the, the opposite scenario? If you're happy, but you don't have a lot of money, does it really matter if you don't have a lot of money, but you're happy? I think that's, I think that's fine too. Um, as long as you're like satisfied with your life then, and like comfortable with your life and like not struggling, like I would say like, that's great too. But just not preferable. No, I, I would like that too though. Honestly, if, if I was comfortable with my life, like comfortable with the amount of money that I have, all of that, I would say. But then again, like, I feel like I, I have very extensive lifestyle. So me being comfortable, I feel like I probably need to have a lot of money. So I don't know. My taste keeps on going up. It's really bad. Where do you think, where do you think um, that increase in taste comes from? Are things actually getting better as uh, you're spending more money on them? Is your, like, your joy increasing? Are you getting like more levels of dopamine being shot into your brain um, when you're paying more for, for certain things or spending more money on stuff? Is, that, like, is the level of joy a level that you've never reached before? Um, good question. Actually, um, I made a very expensive purchase during, uh, the last couple of months. Um, so something that I've always wanted is a Chanel bag and, um, I've wanted it, I think, you know, for the past 10 years or since high school, um, they're so expensive and I've never spent that kind of money on something. And, uh, basically like every year they do like multiple price increases. Um, I think maybe 10 years ago, a bag, um, you know, their classic bag bag would have cost, I think like four thousand dollars um more recently now it costs like six thousand dollars and every time they would do a price increase i would freak out 
I would like text my mom, be like, oh my God, they did another price increase. Like if I just bought it like 10 years ago, you know, I wouldn't have to spend all this money. Um, and I would just complain all the time. And um, I kind of finally decided like, oh, I'm going to buy the bag. Like, you know, I wasn't spending a lot of money during the pandemic. Um, I had some money saved up, like, you know, I could buy the bag and I'm going to buy it before they increase the price again, which I think they are going to do soon. And so I bought the bag, you know, I was really happy, but it was like super painful to pay off. And I haven't really used the bag that much. And like, you know, I personally, I love it, but I don't know if it was worth like the six grand, but I still love it. And I, I tell myself like, you know, I'm going to use it a lot. I'm going to have it for life. I will give it to my daughter, like my granddaughter one day. Um, so like it will be worth it. And I told myself I would only buy one. So hopefully I stick to that. <laughs> so it was, it was the most painful thing to like pay off. Like I had the money, but I didn't like want to, you know, relinquish the money. So it actually brought me a lot of pain than happiness. More pain than happiness? I guess like when I was paying it off. Yeah. It brought me a little bit of pain to to pay off that credit card amount so yeah hmm. i just felt a little guilty um yeah because like i feel like i see people struggling um that kind of stuff and i'm like wow i really spent like six grand on a purse like i could have bought a car i could have you know bought a lot of things and it's just a bag but it was i don't know I, I feel like it was kind of consuming me like i really wanted the bag i was spending a lot of time researching the bag um i mean like all these like Facebook groups for these bags, you know, people are posting about them all the time. So it was kind of like, I just got to buy the bag so I can stop thinking about it because I think it was kind of consuming me and I didn't want to pay any more than what, um, like the current retail prices. And like, even the secondhand market was like way more expensive than retail. So hmm. just because the demand is so high, so surprisingly enough. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's quite the interesting phenomenon of seeing a price going up and feeling like you're going to miss out. Like that's the core yeah. of FOMO and investing in stocks and like real estate, yes. like housing bubbles mm -hmm. and whatnot. As they're going up, you think, oh no, I need to get in now or it's going to go up even more and I'm going to miss out on this opportunity. I, I didn't realize they, they did that with, with bags and secondhand markets of um, designer clothing. Hmm. Yeah, people were, um, they were like panic buying and like lining up outside the Chanel stores in like Asia when the price increase happened. So, you know, people will do crazy things for these bags, I've realized. Um, there's some bags that are super rare, like they only make a couple of the colors. People are willing to pay like thousands over retail. Mm -hmm. it's kind of crazy yeah that's, and i'm guessing there, there's a, a scarcity of them there's only a certain amount that are made per year or, or whatnot and they they reduce the the amount that's available to the public yeah um, and i think like with the pandemic too like it, it kind of like stunted a lot of like manufacturing that kind of stuff so supply is low basically how big of a status symbol is it to have one of these bags um i don't know like for me like maybe it's because i like i live in boston and like there's a lot i guess of people who maybe like travel here internationally or there's like a lot of international students. I feel like all of those people, they all have like very expensive bags and cars and stuff. And like, it's almost become normalized to me um, where I see like a Chanel bag. Like I could probably, I think when I was working, going to work every day, um, my office is inside like the Copley mall, which is like a very fancy mall. Like if I'm just walking around, you know, I would see someone with a bag, um, like a very expensive bag. So it was almost like normalized for me. And I don't know. I, I feel like when I see that bag, I'm like, Oh wow. Like that person, they can afford a Chanel bag. Like, I wonder what they do. Or I wonder what they did to be able to afford something like that. And I think it's just such a, like a, a pretty and like timeless bag, I guess. And and when you see somebody with that bag, you're you're going to this place of oh they can afford it, they have money, and because they have money, even if they're sad, they can use that money to become happy. And if they have that type of money, then they must have a good life. Is that the maybe. the rationalization? Yeah. Maybe. What do you, what do you mean maybe? Or I think so. Yeah. Like I think I've kind of just always attributed like money with like success i guess maybe that's why and is success what the meaning of, of life is to go to that what we talked about before we started the podcast for you is to um, succeed in acquiring the most amount of money 
No, not necessarily. Um, I've been thinking about like the meaning of life recently, just like with, you know, Elon Musk trying to get people to live on Mars and stuff. Um, and just like the thought of like, you know, is there other like life out there? Um, and I kind of think that in a way there is no meaning of life. And I think we're all just here by chance and that we should just live our best lives and, you know, enjoy, enjoy our lives and that we shouldn't stress too much. We're just here by chance. What, what does that mean? We're here by chance. What are, what are the, what are the chances that allowed us to be here? I don't really know because if you think about it like the big bang like what really caused it it was just a bunch of molecules in space i guess collided at the same time at the right time and then brewed up something where you know it, the earth was able to you know sustain life and i kind of forgot what i was saying Wait, what were we talking about, Talk, talking about um <laughs> sorry <you> can... <laughs> the, the meaning of life um how, how there doesn't seem to be one because um everything that has happened seems so unlikely and so like unprobable. I think, I think that's what you're getting at when you say chance, like yeah. the big bang happened and that's something that's so far in the past. And it seems like something that's so far away, 14 billion light years away. And all of these things just happen to happen in the right circumstance in order for us to be here right now, two like biological creatures that are, um, that are the product of, of DNA, um, that has been evolved from, millions of years on earth talking through microphones through an internet that is using electricity to turn to transmit it back and forth it seems like all these things that have that must have happened to bring us to this exact moment are just so random it feels like it's just they're out of nowhere kind of and so yeah like it just kind of all happened by chance like you know it was just kind of the perfect storm mm -hmm. you know it started off as you know tiny what like bacteria that then you know grew legs and was able to like walk on land and then you know, here we are. And like, if you think about like the, the amount of time that like humanity has been around for, it's, it's really a very like small amount of time. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, where it's like a tiny, you know, grain of salt compared to yeah. the rest of existence. Yeah, I don't think we, we don't even appear on any cosmic time scales in the um, the course of the universe. Like, um, yeah, I think what was it humans, we were anatomically evolved 70,000 years ago. So we've only been around for 70,000 years. But the universe is like 14 and a half billion years old. And so have you have you ever done any of um, these like um, websites that give you a sense of scale about the difference between a thousand and a billion? I think I've seen it where you where you like compare like sizes. Like mm -hmm. I've seen it with like the deep sea, like, you know, how much we really yeah. have explored versus how much there is. And it's like crazy. It's, um, yeah. So, yeah, like if you think about it, like everyone thinks, you know, the world re revolves around you. But if you mm -hmm. think about it, you know, you're really nothing. In yeah. this, this world and then if you think about the size of the universe like we're really nothing mm -hmm. so we're, we're a, a yeah i've been small blue dot the small blue exactly. dot huh exactly and the universe too like you know our universe could be you know the size of let's say a soccer ball and maybe we're just really mm -hmm. tiny yeah yeah that's, that's all perspective that's crazy that to think that there is a there is another layer on top of the universe where our universe could be one of many um it, it just keeps on going like this from the top of it you go from the solar system to the galaxy to the universe to what's on top of the universe is there anything is like the multiverse is that a thing or going down the bottom of, like saying okay what are we made out of I'm made out of tissues cells atoms inside of atoms is uh electrons and protons and neutrons and those are all made of quarks and leptons and all these standard particles and 
those like experiments going on to see if there's anything below that, if there's anything more fundamental. It's like we're in such a we're in just this one slice of size, this one slice of size that expands kind of infinitely from the top and the bottom, and then we're in this tiny slice of time that expands infinitely in both ways. And yeah, it's crazy. What what a what emotion does that does that bring to you when you think about that when you realized how much else out there there is in time and space? I don't know. I guess it brings me like a little bit of confusion. Um, maybe makes me feel like really small, a little bit like lost. Like I just want to know. Like and I, it just makes me like very curious. Like I just want to know the answers. You know, like is there life outside of like Earth? You know, are there aliens or like other creatures out there? You know. Is there another world where someone's, you know, living a very similar life? You know, maybe I have a twin in another universe and I just don't know it. Like, I think about that all the time, right? Like, I don't know. It makes me curious, I guess. And I, I wish I knew the answers. Mm-hmm. So I think, I don't, I don't think we're the only, like, living things in this, like, universe or, I guess, existence that we have. Like, there's just no way. I, I feel like there has to be something else out there. Like, whether it's, like, other little, like, tiny, like, little bacteria or alien-looking things. Like, I don't think we're alone out there. Mm-hmm. And that, that's that's interesting. There, there's all these unanswered questions, and um, you have a sense of curiosity about it. About what does or, or what are the unanswered parts? What what else is there to be discovered? That's like outside of our our Earth. Um, and I don't think we'll ever know the answers. Just sad. I, I just want to know. Do you know? Uh, do you know the answers that that do exist now? That that science has produced some. Um, um, structurally sound hypothesis about. Are you are you seeking those out? Yeah, I guess you know I, that would make sense to me. Like, if there was like a scientific explanation for everything, like I'd like to learn about that too. Have so you been? Just like a mystical happening. I, I've I've done some like research. Like you know, I've gone on like Reddit and stuff where people are like you know talking asking about like the Big Bang and like what caused it. I guess and like stuff like that. But I haven't really looked too much into it. I'm like, I'm like excited for you, because uh, th- this is like a, a journey that I feel like I've been on for maybe the past ten years or so, uh, about all these unanswered questions. I- I'm a very curious person too, and I kind of wanna, I wanna know how everything fits together, how this all makes sense, um, and that, that's that's kind of what led me to the podcast, um, because I first started looking um, externally in like the outside world, what's in the universe, what's in the solar system, what's in space, how does all this stuff work together, and uh, like the the most beautiful thing about it is that it all comes back down at some layer to math where you can use math to predict what's going to happen in the future. And you can then confirm those predictions based on um, our, our eyes and our, our sound and our instruments that can record them. And, and so like math can tell you so much about what's, what else is out there. Um, and so I, I have like this, interesting. Yeah. this new beauty for math uh, about using it to understand what else exists. And then, um, in my sense of my my stage of exploring, I've also started to um, look inside about like what's going on inside of our brains, inside of our heads, that is leading us to make all these decisions and think the way that we do. Um, and so I, I've started to like really ask questions about why I act the way that I'm acting and why I think the way that, that I'm thinking, what my beliefs are, and what would it take to change my beliefs or to challenge them or to move towards a better version of myself, um, which has also been extremely interesting. And in that process, I like realize I like put the two together that what I'm going through in my perspectives and my beliefs, every other person on earth kind of has the same thing going on. 
they have these same thoughts, these same beliefs, these same reasons for doing stuff. It's all going on in their brain, but they have different, I guess, like axioms um, that are leading them to different perspectives. And so now I'm like really curious about how did you get to this perspective? How did you get to this layer? Um, and so, yeah, I, sorry, <laughs> I just went on a little rant there, but like I'm excited for you to, to explore this curiosity that you that you found. That's awesome. Just like a little bit mind blowing, you know? It's also, okay, now that you bring up math, like it's crazy to think that like at some point, like someone like invented math, like they're just sitting around, like coming up with like formulas and seeing that it all like fit together, right? Like mm -hmm. someone was just doing like calculus or like algebra. It's kind of crazy Yeah. to think about. Yeah, that, that history. You're just like, wow, you know, like A squared plus B squared equals C squared. And then, you know, they tested it again and it worked. So mm -hmm. it's weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd recommend uh, like learning about the history of, of math just in general is so fascinating and crazy. Like Euclid um, and his geometries where he, he's just like putting together different shapes and starting to recognize patterns about the, the, the area, their circumference, or um, certain lines that segment them, why they're, they're always parallel together. And he's like, what is happening here? Why is this so consistent and so easy to predict? And then like you start building on that stuff and that's, I don't know how we got to calculus and where we're at today. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now we have computers and everything. So it's crazy, phones, mm -hmm. technology. Yeah, it's all, I would say, based off of math. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how, okay. So, so you're realizing this, um, you're, you said confused at some point, um, about, about recognizing that, about taking that, this dichotomy between, um, understanding the universe and like what your current goals are and what you're seeking for in life. Uh, and because that you're saying life is meaningless, there, there's no point to it because of how small we are. Um, how do you, how do you know justify the search of success if life is meaningless and, and the pursuit of money and the pursuit of, of happiness in a way? How do you justify that? I guess like in a way, like I would say like, you know, we're not here for a long time, like we're here for a good time. So, you know, you, you should enjoy your life. I think in a way like money can help fund like interests and like hobbies, that kind of stuff. And so that's why I think like if I think about like wealth, that's kind of like success. But there's also some people who are like very wealthy and they just, you know, we're working 24 seven and probably don't enjoy life that much. Um, but maybe like, that's how I see it. Like, you know, we're here to have a good time. Money can help fund that mm -hmm. good time. If you spend your time wisely. We're not we're here for a long time. We're here for a good time. Why is, is having a good time the meaning of life then? I think so. Yeah. Like, you know, there's, there's no other purpose maybe than to just, you know, live your life to, enjoy it and then you know you leave this earth so here's here's a hypothetical for you if you could plug your brain into a computer that um had this this like simulated world where it was perfectly set up for you to give you the most pleasure from it would you do that and sacrifice your body you couldn't come back to this world the one we're in I think so. Yeah. Like if I was able to plug myself into like a new world where like I have all the happiness in the world mm -hmm. and I'm kind of like carefree doing whatever I want, I, I think I would do it. Yeah, I would do it. You'd do that? Okay. Yeah, I would. Do you know? If, if, you know, if I could bring all my friends and my family with me, I would say that like they're in that life too. So it, it's not just like my own world where I'm, you know, going shopping every day. Like <laughs> it, it's with like friends and stuff too, friends and family. Like I'm not just alone. I would mm -hmm. do it. Okay. So in this world, there'd be friends and family, uh, they'd be shopping. What else would there be? I mean, there wouldn't just be shopping, but I guess like, you know, <laughs> it would be very carefree. I would travel. I would maybe, um, 
have a bunch of dogs, you know, spend time with my family. Um, you know, I'd be able to learn work, that kind of stuff, but like without like anxiety and stress, I guess. So, so in your ideal world, you would have work in there? Not really work, but like I would do something like, again, like, you know, how I said, I, I'm kind of like, I would one day be interested in like flipping homes and renovating homes. Like I would be able to do something like that. Mm -hmm. I would have a hobby that I think is work in a way. What about the pursuit of those questions that uh, you're curious about in this ideal world? You can create it any way you want it to be. Wait, what kind of questions would I have? About the, the size of the universe and what else is out there. I guess if I found out that I was in a simulation, I'd be like a little freaked out, right? <laughs> if you signed up for it, you went into it knowing it. So like if I were in that universe and I was able to, to get the, the answer to life, like would I want it? Or? I guess not the answer to life, but maybe how the simulation worked and what all the mysteries of it were. I don't know. I guess I would take it as, you know, I'm kind of just in like, I, I probably would just assume that it was like a, kind of like a, someone was playing the Sims and controlling me. That's how I would see it in a way. Okay. If that makes any sense. I don't, I don't know if I, if that's the question that you asked, but. Yeah. So you, you only find, you only find the questions in our universe interesting. If you were in a simulated one, uh, you would think it was all a game. It all made sense. There's probably someone. I, I, just I think it. Yeah, I would take it, it as a game almost. Yeah, and okay. sometimes I think like maybe that is our world. Maybe someone is controlling me. Maybe I'm someone's character. I could be. We so this this world could be a simulated one. It could be. Yeah, there's like a lot of theories where people say like you know we are in the simulation. Maybe we are. Maybe we aren't. I don't know. So be, I'm not living we, my best life yet, but you know maybe one day. So for in a simulated world right now, are you interested in figuring out how it works? I probably will be, and but I'm assuming like it's it's some like computer program or something. I would assume technology or I don't know, just some other like thing out there that we just don't understand. Mm. Yeah, I'd be interested, I guess. It's I, I figure it's probably something that we just can't understand. You know, it's like a different dimension that we just can't see or we can't comprehend. And there's something mystical about it. There's something that yeah. is outside of our comprehension. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know, because I, I think about like, you know, being rational and like what's possible. And I feel like that's one of those things that I can't like wrap my head around. So like, if you think about like AI and stuff, like AI taking over the world, like, I don't know if that will happen one day, like maybe just the thought of like computers, like becoming smart enough to have their own like thoughts and opinions. Like, I don't think it will ever really happen. But, like people kind of like, you conceptualize it and you think like, oh, what if one day that could happen? Or what would it be like? But I don't, I personally don't think it would happen. If that makes sense. I try to think about like, you know, how are we being controlled by another person? Like, I can't wrap my head around it, but I just know like maybe that could be a possibility. Uh, I'm trying to understand. Okay, so what else is out there? What else exists? Can't be explained by reasoning or rationality. There has to be something mystical beyond that. And then used AI as an example of, of something where there's a, poss there's a possibility for it to happen, but you don't see how it could get there. Oops. So, yeah. Okay, so it's not something it's not something that's like mystical or something otherworldly. It's not like, oh, there's angel and demons that we weren't present to and they're like out there making all these decisions for humans and everything. It's just that artificial intelligence becoming a, a thing and taking over is something that seems um so far out there. Um it's, it seems like so improbable that you think there'd have to be 
No, it's so improbable that it might not happen, but you can see it happening. Is, is this a probability thing? Maybe, like, it's just something that, like, I can't wrap my head around where, like, a computer becomes so smart that, like, they can take over the world. But, like, I definitely think it could be also, like, you know, a higher power, higher being that, like, we just can't comprehend. Like, it's, it's another dimension that we just can't see, something like that. Mm -hmm. It could be, like, many possibilities, I guess. I think there's just, like, infinite amount of, like, you know, answers and questions. I guess, I don't know, combinations of things that you can think about. Mm -hmm. So how do you know what are the right ones to ask and what are the right ones to pursue? There's an infinite, infinite amount of things to ask. There's just a lot of, like, possibilities, I guess. Mm -hmm. And a lot of theories. But we know that there are some theories that predict the possibilities with more accuracy than others. Yes, I think so. Do you think if there were... Now, now we're just getting to hypotheticals. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you think if there was a, an all-knowing being who could see where every single particle in the entire universe was, do you think that they could predict the future just by knowing where every single thing is and what its speed is and what its velocity is and what its motion is, what its mass is, all those components? Do you think they could predict the, the next state of the universe? I would say that they're probably the ones controlling it then. Like maybe they're the ones that are building it. Well, they're, they're not They're not omnipotent. They're uh, omni-knowing. Uh, like they're just like observing. Yeah, they're, they're just, just watching. They're us. just an observer that can see where everything is. I would say no. They probably don't know the future. I would say like our our universe and our world is probably like their version of a TV show. Like they don't really know what's coming up. They're just watching. <laughs> they're just. If that they're makes just... any sense, I would say they're just watching us for entertainment. You know, where their TV show or movie. Mm -hmm. You're saying that, so. There's no way to predict the future, even if you know where everything is, where every little thing is. I think so. I mean, I, I think there are some things we can predict, right? Like global warming, that kind of stuff. But like, we don't know exactly like, how it's going to happen or how it's going to shape, you know, how it's going to shape our world. But I would imagine, yeah, if someone had that kind of power, they could probably control us. But why, why can't why can't we know where um, how how global warming is going to shape the future? Why why don't we know that information? Why do we know that information? Or, or why why can we not predict that? We we think global warming is going to happen, regardless. We can predict that. But why can't we predict how it's going to affect society or the world or just your life specifically? I think in a way, like it's so also like so far away, um, like in our lifetimes. I think like, it's probably like a little hard to imagine. Um, like I, I've heard theories before that like one day California will be underwater. I think that's like light years away. But you know, if that does happen, like is everyone going to migrate? Like what's going to happen? Is it going to be slow? I feel like no one really knows. But why don't they know? Like. Why don't they know? What are the factors involved with, with knowing this? Now we're getting into um, epistemology. This is wow. The, 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 Didn't know there's a term for that. The philosophy of knowing. I think there could just be so many different possibilities of how it would happen. I, I think like maybe out, somewhere out there, there's, you know, someone kind of planning for this and maybe thinking about how it's all going to happen. But you never really know how things are going to shape out until they, they happen. I feel like that's how we see things, I guess. But what causes one specific thing to happen over another? If there, There's a lot of possibilities, but it's always that one possibility does occur. Why does that one possibility occur over others? I think that's just by chance. What's chance? Just, you know, the perfect combination of things, and then it happens. Kind of like, you know, oh, you know, it's it's been a really dry season out. You know, we're predicting wildfires. No one knows how it's going to happen. Like, maybe it could be from a gender reveal. It could be from, you know, someone 
you know, dropping their cigarette, like in a, a thing of leaves, like you just don't know, like we can predict like, you know, wildfires happen a lot, like around this time of the year when it's really dry out, like, but we don't know what's going to cause it. But what, what if you knew that there was a, there was a gender reveal party going on in the forest in during dry season and they're about to light fireworks. If you knew all that information, could you predict that this one possibility would be the one that would cause the, the forest fires and the outcome? If you knew that they were going to light these fireworks, not. probably not still. Yeah, like you just don't know. Like they could be the ones to blow everything up, but it could also just, you know, I guess gender reveal could go through with like no problems. What if you knew the drunk uncle was the one that was doing the fireworks and he was going to light them off all at once uh, to the chagrin of the, the mother and, and father? He was just going to light them all and see what happens. But he didn't light the stick to send them up in the air. They just exploded on the ground. And there's a giant kindling of, of um, wood there next to it. I would probably bring like a fire fire extinguisher, I guess. Maybe just be safe. <laughs> but I would also try to stop the drunk uncle if I was in that family. Mm-hmm. I, I would hope that like, you know, in that situation, there was like one rational person who's like, you know, don't do that, or this is a bad idea. But if you knew that there wasn't, there was no rational person there. <laughs> if you knew that this was just the most careless family that ever existed and nobody checked anything twice. Would, could you be able to I'm, say- I, There's a high probability. <laughs> I think there's a high probability that, yeah, shit could hit the fan and there could be a big fire. The high probability. If, if I would knew... say there's a high probability, but it's not, you know, guaranteed. Is anything guaranteed in this world? I don't think so, actually, you know? I think that our lives are very short and, you know, they can be taken from you at any point. So like nothing really is guaranteed. Um, and I think about that a lot when I like think about like saving for retirement, it's like, you know, should I put, should I put all my money away? Should I be rational and, you know, save what they tell me to save so that, you know, I have enough money in retirement or could it all be a waste? You know, it's, it's not guaranteed that we're all going to live till, you know, retirement age. Um, so I don't know. I don't think anything is really guaranteed in this mm-hmm. life. But in that perspective, I guess. Do things have different probabilities? I think so, yeah. Some things are more, you know, certain than others. Like, you can control certain things, I would say. You can control certain things. But you can't control everything. And the parts that you can't control are the things you're unsure about, the things that add to the chance, that increase the probability, or the unknowns, the stuff that you can't control. Yeah. So how important is control in your life? Um, I think for me, like relatively important, I feel like I usually tend to play it safe with things. I usually am not like the biggest risk taker. Um, and yeah, like for me, like I like to be like in control of my body, like that kind of stuff. Like if I think about like drugs and stuff, like sometimes that freaks me out because I feel like in that state, like you're not really in control of your body. You're kind of just like in a different state of mind and you can't really snap out of it if you want to. Like me personally, like I think I I do like control. Mm Mm-hmm. How often do you find yourself doing risky activities where your sense of control is lower than normal, like um, speeding in a car or maybe like snowboarding or skiing, um, stuff like that, or like paragliding yeah. or stuff? So, I, yeah, I tend to play it very safe. Um, so I definitely like skiing, um, but if I go skiing like nowadays, like I don't do anything too intense. Like the most difficult, like, I guess, run I would do is like a blue Um probably would not do like a double black diamond or anything really don't like moguls um and like i actually hate driving um i haven't driven a car in a while um it actually took me a couple tries to get my license um i think it it took me like three tries um so i'm not like the best driver and like i've been in an accident before it's like kind of scary um 
and like I don't particularly enjoy merging on the highway for whatever reason that kind of freaks me out so like I feel like that's why maybe why I don't like driving Mm -hmm. because it I guess maybe will increase my chance of you know death or whatnot Mm -hmm. I want to draw a, a connection between your idea that nothing is guaranteed in the future um so live live life for the now in a way versus your your behavior to not take risks and to try and keep things in your control. Those two seem conflicting where if you think that nothing is guaranteed, then you would want to live life on the risk, risky side. You wouldn't want anything to kind of hold you back in that way. You wouldn't want to go into all different directions, but you are being risky because you are not risky um, to, for self-preservation to minimize your chance of getting hurt or uh, being injured or loss of life. So how, how do you how do you measure when to do each one of those things? Mm-hmm. So like how if there was another person that was just like me but they were riskier, would they live longer? Or like is that what you kind of mean? If there was somebody else who was just like you but they were riskier, what would would there be any difference in the quality of their life? The quality of life and uh, yeah, I, I guess length of life too. I think like quality of life um, maybe could be a little higher um, because I, I think about like all the risky things you can do in life. And I think they can bring you like a lot of joys. Um, maybe I'm like too, I, I personally, I think I'm a little too scared to fly an airplane, but like, it'd be really cool to do it. Um, like, I think it could bring me a lot of joy, but like, I probably won't ever do it because I don't want to risk my life. Like I, I can barely drive a car. I probably shouldn't be driving, you know, flying a plane. Um, so like, I think there's certain things like if you do take the risk, it could bring you a lot of happiness. Like let's say like, you know, it's really risky to move abroad. Um, it's definitely very scary, um, but it can bring you a lot of joy. Um, and then I think like there's other risks too, where, you know, if you kind of live a perilous life or kind of like a, a crazy lifestyle, like I think that could technically bring your lifespan down as well. So, um, you know, people kind of say like men on average live shorter lives than women because they're riskier, right? So I kind of see that too. So it depends on like the type of risk. There's definitely different types of risks out there. Some are more dangerous than others. Yeah. I feel like there, I feel like there's a thread. There's a thread here between your risk taking, your level of control, the idea that um nothing is guaranteed in the future. And would you would you say you have a fear of the unknown or you're just you're apprehensive of that what you of that what is outside of your control? I think, yeah, I'm a little, like, fearful of, like, what's outside of my control. Mm-hmm. A little bit fearful of, like, the unknown as well, I guess. Oh, and um, maybe this is it. The, the, the future uh, of your life is unknown, right? How long it's going to be is unknown. That, that's a probability. That's a yeah. That's a potential route that hasn't been um, realized yet. And because of that, you are more likely to do things that bring you joy in the moment, that bring you happiness as of now. Okay, yeah, so that makes sense. Do you feel like that has... Uh, been a positive or negative quality in terms of your long-term uh, life satisfaction? Like playing it safe, has it brought me, um, in some ways, like I think it has brought me like happiness or like a good quality of life. Um, I would say there's probably like things in life that I wish I did. Um, like I have lived in Massachusetts all my life, never lived anywhere else. So I've always kind of had this like dream of like, you know, living in like New York City one day, um, but I never really like got around to that. Um, so I think like 
it's just something I'll never know, like, you know, what my life would have been like if I'd moved somewhere else. But like, I'm relatively happy with where I am. So. And the, um, the aspect of, of living for the now, um, has that, ever, has that been a positive or negative or more positive or more negative, uh, in your life up to now? What do, what do you think about that life philosophy? Um, I would say mostly positive. Like there's definitely some negatives as well. Um, I mean, like if I think about it, like I wish I maybe studied more like growing up or took like school more seriously, that kind of stuff. Um, I kind of like, if I think about like living in the now, I kind of just did whatever I wanted to do. Um, so I don't know, I guess it's brought me happiness. How do you plan for future events if, if you're, um, thinking more about the moment how do, how do you have long-term goals that uh, you manifest over time um i don't know I, I kind of think about like what i do now and how it would influence my future i guess so like right now like at my job i kind of think about like okay i've been at this job for a while like it's all right you know i'm kind of just coasting it's it's easy like you know, for the pay and like the amount of stress that I have right now, like it's not too bad, but you know, I should probably take a risk and, you know, maybe try to find a new job, try something new. I think that will help me in the future because I think like in order for me to really grow at this point, like I need to find that new job. So like right now, like, yeah, I'm enjoying my life, like kind of just doing whatever, but I know in my heart, like I need to go like find another job so I can learn and grow like career wise, I guess. How do you go about doing that? Do you know how you go about doing that or what your plan is to make that happen? I definitely talk about it a lot with people like, oh, I need to find a new job. Like, you know, I think about it all the time, like looking on LinkedIn, that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't know. I just haven't really like done it yet. Do you manifest yourself in a different position or a different state or a different house or a different area? I mean, I'm using that word wrong. Um, no, I, I, yeah. So like I've definitely like manifested, you know, like, you know, like a job that I really want, like kind of just like, you know, I'll have a job where I'll be like very happy and satisfied or I'll do something that like I love. Um, I just don't know like what it is yet. That's the thing. Like, I don't really know like, like what my next company will be. Like I, I enjoy like working at Wayfair because it's like retail, um, like e-commerce. Um, and like, I look at the other jobs they are open, like nothing really like speaks to me um, industry-wise. So like for me, I feel like to like manifest it, I feel like really want it, but like, I don't really know what that is right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just general sense of what you want, but it's hard to picture what exactly it is because there's so many possibilities. Yeah. Steph, is there anything that we didn't touch on that you think is essential to who you are or the way that you see the world? I gotta think about this. I guess like at one point I do remember, like um, it was probably like in the second grade, I remember when everyone was getting, I think they're like first communion and like, I didn't really grow up religious. Um, that's when I had that like revelation, like, oh, I'm like different from, from everyone else. Like, oh, I'm Asian. And like, I'll never know like what it's like to be like white or like a different race. And I kind of just like had that, like, I guess like moment of clarity that like I was just different or yeah. Cause like where I grew up, like there weren't really a lot of like Asians around me, I guess. So I guess that kind of shaped who I was a little bit in a way. Like, I, I kind of had to, like, balance, like, you know, fitting in with, like, the Asian side, but also fitting in with, like, my classmates and stuff, I guess. 
in a way and like kind of like suppressing my Asian side a little bit in a way but like yeah if that makes any sense no that makes that makes a lot of sense um that, that was in the second grade where you, you struggled to balance them how do you balance them now um like right now I'm like definitely more accepting of like my culture and it's something that like I appreciate more like that's kind of like what I've realized like over the past like you know 10 years or so um that like it kind of is like what makes me unique in a way so like I don't know if that's just like part of growing up or something that you just like appreciate over time that just like takes time yeah that must have been it must have been hard to realize when you're young that, that you are different um and kids at that age I'm guessing they weren't they weren't the nicest about it in a way I know um for me growing up I, I wasn't the nicest to anybody who didn't look like me or look like um me and my friends and that's something that I kind of regret uh about the way I, I I treated other people growing up um yeah you definitely grow up a lot I think just like and I think like too like with um like the new generations like they grow up in a much different society like where everyone is like much more like open and welcoming like um I was kind of talking about this the other day with some friends where um, if you think about it, like gay marriage was only legalized, I think in like 2014 or something, which is like so recent. And like for like some kids, it's totally normal. And it's, you know, they're very open to like gay marriage is just normal for them. But like for us, like growing up, it wasn't, you know, like it was very controversial. Um, but like now it's just like normalized. And like, I, I think maybe too, like with like different cultures and stuff, like that's starting to happen. Mm -hmm. Like, I think more people have exposure to other cultures now, like maybe through food, through like like YouTube through like the media, like people are mm -hmm. starting to kind of expand on that in a way. Like there's like more representation now too, I think with like other cultures. Yeah. It's more present in the, the age of the internet where yeah. you can see so much out there just from your computer, as opposed to just the small neighborhood that you grew up in and just looking around you and seeing who's 15 feet ahead of you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Hmm. You, you said that it, it shaped your, your perspective and makes you unique. If you could boil it down to a few points, what about your that balance between your, your two identities um, makes you who you are? I don't think. Wait, so like, what about? Yeah, because juggling those two identities, that's not something that everybody goes through. That's a unique experience for you. And then the two identities that you're dealing with are um, your Chinese side from your parents, your family, that culture you have growing up, and now the American side where, where you're in this country, you're, you're um, exposed to all different types of media, to shows, to, to radios, TV, and the kids that are now you're interacting with, they're growing up from American families that have different generations and the pop culture that exists. It's two different ideologies that are at work. Um, so the blending of those two made you who you are. Um, but I'm curious how that blending process led to you if there is anything that stands out of like oh this chinese idea and this american idea um, i considered both of them and then came to this conclusion that i i now carry with me going forward or these two ideas conflicted and i ended up uh, choosing one of them or making my own path going forward because neither of them made sense to me did you have any experiences like that hmm i'm trying to think i guess like my mom is kind of superstitious and a lot of it is like the Chinese superstitions and stuff. So in a way, maybe that's like very similar to like manifesting and stuff. Um, so I feel like maybe like that's where that belief comes from. Um, Anything else? And then I don't know, there's probably something else. I just like can't put it in words. 
like i mean like it, it definitely like you know like it, it shapes me but i just don't know i can't like put it into words i guess i don't know um i think it's something i have to think about you know mm-hmm. maybe something i need to like reflect on like I, like i have that like thought in my head it's just like hard to put it into words i guess mm-hmm. yeah maybe we can come back to it on the next podcast i'll think about it i'll <laughs> think about it and i'll let you know yeah <laughs> awesome um I, th- I think this is a good place to end it um it was awesome to hear about your your upbringing and your different perspectives um, and your uniqueness and that, that's really what you are, Steph. You're a unique human and, and sharing these these thoughts that you have. Um, uh, I'm really grateful for it. And I appreciate you uh, sharing them. Uh, and so I want to thank you for that and thank you for coming on the podcast. No problem. This is a lot of fun. Definitely made me think a lot about life and you know what the meaning is and stuff. So maybe one day we'll find out. Yeah, one day. Maybe we'll find it out on this podcast. But I am hitting the off button right now. All right. Um, it's just me now. Steph has left the building, and hopefully we return return to some normal audio at this point. Um, I, I want to first of all say congratulations if for anyone who made it this far uh, for making it through that cacophony of um, uncomfortable audio sounds and speed. Um, it, it takes a lot of concentration and, and willpower to, to make it through that discomfort. So, um, so again, well done. Um, you, you have my, uh, my respect in that regard. Um, so that's the first thing I want to say. Uh, second one, it just some small corrections, uh, that I realized after listening to this again, um, I said that, uh, humans were anatomically evolved 70,000 years ago. Um, but that is actually incorrect that number comes from uh yuval harari's book sapiens where he said that humans had this uh cognitive revolution seventy thousand years ago Uh, but that's not really backed by any evidence or or anything else if you search in google he's the only one that pops up for it so um, i'm gonna fall back to the the safer more verified number of uh years ago humans anatom anatomically evolved two hundred thousand years ago um so I just want to make that correction. And then I also said the universe is 14 and a half billion years old, um, but the latest number is 13.8 billion. So it's only off by a, a small um, 0.7 billion, 700 million. Yeah, it's not that big of a number, but um, I just, I want to make sure what I'm saying is correct, um, even if I've said it wrong in the past move towards the truth. Uh, that's the, that's the theme. That's the goal here. Um, yeah. So, uh, now with that out of the way, I, I don't want to spend too much time on, um, the after podcast thoughts. Cause I actually did have a couple, um, I, I don't want to say rants, but, um, uh, I, I did have a, a lot of moments where I shared my thoughts during this podcast. So I'm going to keep this, this part brief. Um, the one, the one thing I do want to talk about is, um, the idea of meaning and, uh, and meanings of life and, uh, how it seems like in, in the past, um, the meaning of life was much more clear if you were following a specific religion um, and this is something that I think we talked about on Alex's podcast where, uh, they kind of give you the rules and the guidelines on what to do in order to achieve, um, your purpose or your meaning, um, as a human, um, 
by listening to to the gods or the pastors or the preachers and how to act, how to behave. It was kind of this guideline. Uh, but now we're in this interesting time where religion seems to be slowly fading away and uh, the presentation of the meaning of life isn't really clear anymore. Um, it, it's more open-ended. It's it's not um, it's not right in front of your face, and that puts a lot of um, responsibility on the individual to figure out what their understanding of the meaning of life is. And uh, I think personally, it's it's probably the one of the greatest questions that you can um, try and search for an answer for. Uh, it's it's really, I think at the end of the day, you're going to be looking and say, did I achieve my meaning or did I find meaning in my life or not? And um, to to live with that idea in mind um, really starts you down this question of, oh, how do I figure out what that is? Um, what, is there a, a true answer? Is there not a true answer? How do I reconcile it with all these other facts of life, like uh, about us being so small in this universe, of us being... Um, so confined in time um, about feeling insignificant. Um, and these these facts are kind of like glaring and, and just very much in your face. And uh, to, in order to like uh, put everything together and have a cohesive story, including those facts, um, it, it requires you to go on, on, a, on a search, on a journey, uh, on like uh, to start asking questions. And to start probing and and figuring out stuff, um, but the the key part of it is to have a strong foundation uh, as to what to believe and what not to believe. Um, and I, I think that if we kind of mention it here. This this foundation is logic or math. Um, and so I think that'll that'll be for another time. Uh, to go into to logic of uh, what logic is, uh, but I want to end this end this segment on the idea of just in general, what is the meaning of life? Is there one? Is it different from the purpose of life? Uh, do do people have specific purposes that they're going for, and do they spend their lives doing it and realize that they they've spent their time doing something that's unsatisfying or unfulfilling? Um, What's the best way to figure it out early? Uh, is that even possible? Um, yeah, so these are these are the, the questions that I, I, I think I'm stuck with right now. Um, I don't have the answers to them. Um, but I, I'm going to continue this journey looking for it and trying to figure out. So I'm going to continue that journey on the next episode.